Hello, welcome to The Wire Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McCrary, and in this episode, I want to talk about the Chicago Bears, the moves they made this offseason, and whether or not those moves are enough to help their quarterback, Justin Fields, take a leap next season. Next, I want to talk about the five teams in the Southeast Division of the NBA. I want to do this for every single team and every single division in the NBA as we prepare for the upcoming season. And then lastly, I wanted to do something really fun this episode, so I am going to be making a tier list of every single NBA team's logo. I thought that would be fun, so I really hope y'all enjoy that. Well, that's what we have on tap for today's episode. I hope you enjoy, and let's get into it. Alright, let's get started by talking about the Chicago Bears, the moves they made this offseason, and whether or not those moves are enough to help their quarterback Justin Fields take a leap next season. So the other day, I wrote an article about about the moves that the Bears made this offseason and, and how that will help Justin Fields next season as he tries to become a franchise quarterback. Now, the Bears didn't make a ton of moves this offseason, um, and as everybody knows, they had a really rough season last year. They went 3-14 and in 2022, and they had the worst record in the NFL. Um, they were really, really bad, especially on defense. Their defense was not good at all, um, and Justin Fields struggled a bit as a passer. Now, he was legitimately like one of the best rushing quarterbacks in the NFL. He was truly game-breaking as a runner, especially the last half of the season, but his passing has not translated from college. He was an elite uh, thrower in college um, at Ohio State, but he hasn't been in the NFL, and honestly, he's been one of, if not the worst passing quarterback in the NFL since he entered the league. Now, the Bears made some big moves in the offseason. They didn't make a ton of moves offensively, but they did make some big moves. And the first move that they made was trading the number one, in a, uh, the number one pick in this year's draft. So because they had the worst record in the league last year, they got the number one pick in the 2023 draft. And they could have just stuck there and selected a really great defensive prospect in Jalen Carter or Willa Anderson Jr., but they decided to not do that. And instead, they traded back. They traded down with the Carolina Panthers, um, who had the ninth overall pick, and they got a haul. They got a ton of draft capital, and they got a wide receiver in DJ Moore. Now, a big reason why the Bears' passing attack hasn't been very good the last couple of years isn't just because of Justin Fields. It also has a lot to do with their receiving core, as they haven't really had a whole lot of talent in their receiving core. Um, and DJ Moore will come in and immediately become their wide receiver one. Um, and DJ Moore is a an interesting player. At times throughout his career, he's been pretty underrated, and I think a few years ago, he was legitimately one of the better receivers in the league. Not top 10, probably more top 15, Um, and honestly, after doing a lot of research, I'm not sure that's true anymore. Um, and in my article, I had some pretty cool stats here. So in, from 2019 to 2021, DJ Moore had 1,000, um, 1,000 receiving yards, um, a season for three straight seasons, which is incredible. Um, and he was one of the more productive receivers in the league, uh, during that time. Um, 
there were 11 wide receivers who were, who recorded 200 receptions, 3,000 total receiving yards, and averaged eight and a half yards per target during these three seasons. Um, that was Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Kill, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, and Terry McLaurin. So according to these stats, he was in pretty rare company. Like all of those guys that I just named are, are or were at one point some of the best receivers in the NFL. So during this time period, he was really good. Um, and the counting, and it, I don't just say that because the counting stats were good. His more advanced stats were great too. Um, his PFF grade in 2019 was really good. Um, it was 82.2, which ranked 11th among receivers. Um, and in 2020, his yards per route run was 2.23, which ranked 13th among receivers. So I think it's pretty clear that during this time a few years ago, he was really, really good. Um, however, his numbers have, have decreased since then. Um, last year, he had just 888 receiving yards. Um, he was playing in a really bad offense, um, but even his advanced stats have gotten worse. Um, last year, he ranked just 32nd among receivers in both PFF grade and yards per route run. Not very good. Um, and I don't think that it's really surprising to anyone that Moore's st statistical profile um, isn't elite. But the concerns don't stop here. So ESPN has created a set of metrics that use tracking data to measure players' ability to get open, catch the ball, um, and generate yards after contact. They use this data to come up with kind of an overall rating, um, which doesn't tell us, you know, how good a receiver is, but it does give us context and it shows how they perform in terms of specific micro skills. And when I say micro skills, I mean like getting open, you know, being able to catch the ball and being able to generate yards after the catch. Um, and according to this data, Moore was below average at getting open and generating yards after the catch last season, as he had a total rating of just 44, which ranked around 68th among wide receivers. And I should point out that with this overall stat, 50 is around average. So an overall rating of 44 is a little bit below average. So DJ Moore, like I said, he's a pretty interesting player and a really interesting receiver because he has produced at a high level before, um, at like a really high level before, like top 15 receiver in the league level. Uh, but his production has decreased over the last couple of years, and the more underlying, like the the more advanced numbers, um, don't look very good. Now, when you take all of this into consideration, you also have to consider the context of the offense he was playing in. So last year, the Panthers' offense was really bad. Um, in the first half of the season, it was legitimately arguably the worst offense in the entire league by EPA per play. And over the last couple of years, their quarterback play has been pretty shaky. And DJ Moore at times has produced despite that. But over the last couple of years, he hasn't really been able to outperform or to perform despite the quarterback play. Um, and he really hasn't ever had much, you know, 
much competition for targets in Carolina. He hasn't really had any other great pass catchers who could, you know, take pressure off him, um, command double teams, or really just command focus of the opposing defense. Obviously, the Panthers had Christian McCaffrey, who is arguably the best receiving running back in the NFL right now, um, especially when he was in Carolina. But he wasn't a receiver, um, so that's not really the same. Um, so I'll give you credit for that. He did have Christian McCaffrey, but Christian McCaffrey isn't running the same kind of routes that your normal number two wide receiver would. Um, so I think my point still stands. DJ Moore didn't really have another wide receiver or another you know talented wide receiver who could take focus off of him. So maybe that's why the numbers have gotten worse. Um, I'm not sure that's a good enough argument because I think if he was still playing at a high level, um, even if the, the counting stats weren't great, I think the more advanced numbers would show that he still has a lot of talent. Um, so I think that there is a chance that DJ Moore isn't who we think he is and is maybe worse than we realize. Um, so I think that maybe, just maybe, he isn't going to be quite as good in Chicago as people expect. Um, and maybe he will be. Maybe maybe the situation in Carolina was just so bad, um, and maybe that's why the, no, the numbers are not very good. Um, but I have a suspicion that maybe the talent level just isn't what we expect. Um, so maybe, maybe the Bears aren't getting a bona fide wide receiver one. Um, so I would caution Bears, Bears fans to be cautiously optimistic about DJ Moore. I'm not saying he's going to be bad. I'm just saying that there is a, a legitimate chance that he is nowhere near as good as, as we might think, and that he is not the same player as he was in 2019 and 2020 when he was legitimately one of the better wide receivers in the league. Now I want to move on and talk about some of the moves that the Bears made to improve their offensive line. And the first move they made was in free agency when they signed Nate Davis, a guard from the Tennessee Titans. Nate Davis is a solid player, not a star by any means, and they signed him to a three-year, $30 million deal. Um, and I, I will give some context to what the Bears' offensive line looked like last season. They had a pretty good offensive line, according to the data. Um, they ranked fifth in PFF run block grade, which is really good. And that would make sense because Khalil Herbert was like a remarkably efficient running back. Um, there are some data points that prove that maybe, maybe he was just that good on his own because his yards after contact per rush attempt was really high. Um, but like their, their rushing attack was real, was great. Uh, Fields was super productive as a rusher. So it makes sense that they ranked really high in PFF run block grade. You know, maybe, maybe that's why their run game was so dominant. Um, they also ranked 11th in adjusted line yards, which is a stat from Football Outsiders, which attempts to separate the performance of an offensive line from the performance of a running back. Um, now their pass blocking wasn't quite as good. Uh, as they ranked just 16th in PFF pass block grade and 32nd in adjusted sack rate. An adjusted sack rate um, looks at sacks and adjusts them for down, distance, and opponent. Um, now, sacks are a, are a bit of a quarterback stat, so maybe that's not all on the offensive line. I think Justin Fields does carry some of the blame for that because he likes to hold on to the ball a long time. Um, and, and like you see that in his average time to throw. It's always been high. It's been high throughout the early parts of his NFL career, and it was really high throughout his time at Ohio State. 
He just likes to hold on to the ball a long time, and he likes to extend plays, and that gets him in trouble sometimes, and it leads to a lot of sacks. So that's no surprise. So the Bears, like I said earlier, they signed Nate Davis to a, a three-year deal. Um, and I want to read a quote from Brendan Seguri of Bears Wire. He said, quote, Davis excels in the run game, which is validated by the success Henry, talking about Derrick Henry, has had with the Titans over the last four seasons. He's quick off the line and takes out contact to open up running lanes. So um, in my assessment of Nate Davis, and I'm not going to act like I'm an expert on offensive line play. Um, so take my opinion with a grain of salt. Uh, I'm just going to be completely honest about that. Um, I think Nate Davis is, is a, a very solid player. Um, his combine measurements were great. He appears to be a, a pretty good a pretty good athlete, like a, an above average athlete. Maybe not great, but definitely an above average athlete for his position. And he's been pretty productive, especially as a run blocker over the last couple of years. His PFF run, run block grade has been 70 or above in two of the last three seasons. Um, and his pass blocking grade, although it isn't great, it has gotten better over the last couple of years, which is great. And the Bears need some help in terms of their pass blocking. So if he can improve and become like a 70 plus PFF pass block grade kind of guard, that would be great for the Bears. And I think having him is also going to, you know, keep their run blocking at a really good level. Um, and maybe it'll even improve it. So, um, that's not the only move the Bears made to improve their offensive line. They also addressed uh, their offensive line in the draft by taking Tennessee right tackle Darnell Wright with the ninth overall pick in this year's draft. Um, Darnell Wright is a, was a really good prospect coming out of college. He was very productive during his senior season at Tennessee. Um, he allowed zero sacks in 12 games, which is awesome. And he had a PFF grade of 71, which was the highest of his collegiate career. And not only that, he is a freak athlete. At this year's NFL Combine, he recorded a 9'7 broad jump and a 1.75 second 10-yard split. Um, and both of those marks are elite for a tackle. So he is a, a freak athlete who was productive um, during his final season of college at a Power 5 program. And not just a Power 5 program, an SEC program, where he was playing against some very high-level competition. Um, so I think those were huge moves the Bears made to help out their offensive line. And the additions of Nate Davis and Darnell, Darnell Wright should improve them in both the run blocking and pass blocking. And I think that's huge for the Bears offense. So that leads to a big question, you know, like, are these moves enough uh, for Justin Fields to take a leap next season? And honestly, I don't have a strong stance. I think the answer is maybe. And I know for a lot of people, especially Bears fans, they're not going to like that answer. But I just don't know. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, oh yeah, Justin Fields is definitely taking a leap next season. I think he can. Like, he is a super talented player. We've seen that already. Like, his rushing ability is incredible. He was an elite passer in college, so I think that he definitely has the ability to be a high-level passer in the NFL. Um, I'm just, after looking at the data, I'm not as confident in DJ Moore as I was when they first traded for him. When they first traded for him, I was like, whoa, like that's a huge move. I'm not as high on him uh, right now. 
Um, I do love the additions of Nate Davis and Darnell Wright. I think those were nice pickups. Um, although Nate Davis, the co- his contract is a little expensive, but um, still, I like those moves. And DJ Moore, if he's really good, um, if he is, you know, a high-level talent, he will be great in Chicago. And I think he makes that offense better. Um, and now they have a very solid uh, core of pass catchers in DJ Moore. Darnell Mooney, who actually had a thousand receiving yards a few seasons ago. Um, they have um, Chase Claypool, who they traded for last season. They also have Cole Komet, who they just signed to an extension. Um, and their running backs are really good. They have Cole Herbert, who was one of the more efficient running backs in the league last year. They have Deontay Foreman. And they have Roshan Johnson, who they just drafted um, in, in this year's NFL draft, who's also kind of like Cole Herbert, a big back, big athletic back, who was extremely efficient in college. Um, so I like th- their their offensive uh, talent more heading into next season. I think it, it's a lot better than it was last year. And if Justin Fields improves on some of his issues, like, you know, holding on to the ball too long, making bad decisions. I think that if he improves, um, that he could be a lot better next year and could legitimately be like a top 15, top 12 quarterback next season. Um, Because the situation is a lot better. And I think that we've seen another young quarterback take a leap uh, without having an amazing supporting cast and that was Trevor Lawrence I thought what he did last year with the Jaguars was impressive because I didn't think that his supporting cast was that great it was not terrible it was good but it wasn't amazing and I think that Justin Fields is in a somewhat similar situation Um, so I think that Justin Fields could definitely take a leap next season I just wouldn't guarantee it, and I'm not super confident that it's going to happen. So, I know that I know for some people that that's gonna they're gonna not like that answer, and they're gonna want me to be like, oh yeah, he's definitely gonna take a leap next season. But I'm just gonna be honest, I don't know, and I'm not super confident either way. But yeah, those are my thoughts on the Bears' moves that they made this offseason and what that means for Justin Fields heading into next season. All right, next, let's go ahead and talk about the Southeast Division in the NBA. I'm going to break down all five teams in this division and what I expect from them heading into next season. Um, And so the five teams in this division are the Miami Heat, the Atlanta Hawks, the Charlotte Hornets, the Orlando Magic, and the Washington Wizards. So let's get started by talking about the Miami Heat. And before I I start talking about the Miami Heat, let me get a little drink here. Let me get a little sip of coffee. So, the Miami Heat had an incredible season last year. They um, had an amazing playoff run where they made it from the play-in tournament in the Eastern Conference to the NBA Finals. And on their way to the NBA Finals, they beat the two best teams in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, they did eventually lose to the Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals in five games, but still, this was an incredible playoff run and a remarkable season for the Heat. And after their run to the Finals, the Heat suffered some serious losses. They lost Gabe Vincent and Max Drews. Vincent signed with the Lakers, and then Max Drews uh, went to the Cavs in a signing trade. Um... And I remember when those deals went down, at first I was like, man, like those are pretty big losses because both Vincent and Struess played pretty big roles for the Heat in their playoff run uh, this year. But I went and looked at their numbers and I went and took a deeper look 
And I was like, okay, these players actually aren't as good as I realized. And I think that Gabe Vincent, I got to give a huge shout out to him because he was an undrafted player coming into the NBA and he was good during this year's playoffs. He had some big moments, hit some big shots, was solid defensively. So shout out to him and shout out to Max Cruz. When I say that they that they're not as good as I realize, is no hate, no disrespect, just my honest evaluation of them as players. Nothing personal. Just want to put that out there. Um, but Gabe Vincent, his numbers aren't actually that great. Um, his a lot of his success in this year's playoff run was shooting luck. Like he shot way better from three than he has throughout his career or throughout his young career. Um, like his playoff three-point percentage was a good bit higher than his career three-point percentage. And Max Schroes, he was not great in the playoffs at times, especially in the finals. Um, he really struggled later in the Heat's playoff run. And I thought that he was a pretty good three-point shooter. But when I looked at the numbers, I realized that he's been pretty streaky as a three-point shooter throughout his career. And that's not the only problem he, ha he has. He's not a very good defender, and his defensive impact over the last couple of years has been really, really bad. Like, worst in the, like, like arguably, uh, one of the worst defenders in the league, bad. Um, so, and he signed a huge deal with the Cavs. Like, his, his new contract is worth $63 million, and I think that's over four, year, four years. I don't have that written down, but that's a pretty big contract for a, a player of his caliber. Um, so I honestly think the Heat are going to be fine without Vincent and Struess. I think that letting them walk, um, uh, for the contracts they signed was smart. And I think that, that they can replace them and they'll be fine without them. Um, and that's not to say that they didn't contribute to their playoff run. They did, but I do, I do not think that they are worth the contracts they signed. So, um, I think the Heat will be fine. And they, they didn't do much to replace those guys. They did sign Josh Richardson, um, who was, I believe he was with the Pelicans. Um, and he was a, he's a solid wing who can shoot, pass, and defend. Um, doesn't do either at like a super high level, but he can do all three at like a decent level. And I think he's probably better than, than both Gabe Vincent and Max Struess. Um, and he's making far less money than Struess is, which is kind of incredible. They also drafted Jaime Jaquez from, or Jaime Jaquez Jr., a wing from UCLA. I definitely pronounced his name wrong, so I apologize for that. Um, but it's kind of unclear how much he'll play as a rookie. I don't know how many minutes he's going to get during his first season, but um, he was one of their bigger acquisitions in the offseason. Overall, I think the Miami Heat are going to be a good team next season. Um, they have like a top 10 player, arguably, in Jimmy Butler. They also have one of the best defensive centers in the league in Bam Adebayo, who was honestly really good offensively in the NBA Finals. Um, he's one of, one of the more underrated centers in the league. Um, just a really good player. And they also have a pretty solid supporting cast uh, featuring Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Kevin Love, and, Ke and Caleb Martin. Um, and I think their biggest issues are the potential decline of Kyle Lowry. He's going to be 37 years old this season. Um, and his production has already begun, begun to decline over the last couple of years. Um, and if he struggles... Like, I don't know who their point guard's going to be. I mean, I guess it would be Tyler Hero, but he's not a point guard. Um, and that's going to be a huge issue if he struggles. 
I also, you know, worry about their, their front court depth because their backup bigs are not very good. Like their, their front court depth is very thin. Um, so when Bam Adebayo leaves the floor in the playoffs, it's going to be rough for the Heat, um, especially on defense. Now, these problems are worrisome, but um, if the Heat trade for Damian Lillard, which has been reported on by like every single media outlet known to man, um, they're going to be really, really good. And the the worries I have about their point guard situation, um, they're not going to be issues. And I'm really high on Damian Lillard. I thought he was one of the best players in the league last season. I thought he was tremendous offensively, um, had probably, or I'll say arguably the best season of his career. I know the Trailblazers were bad, but he was freaking awesome. Go look at the numbers. Go look at the tape. He was nuts. Um, if they trade for him, I think they, that they are going to be an incredible team and one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. But if they don't, I think that they'll be just as good, if not maybe a little bit better than they were last year. Um, they were not a great team last year. Um, and I know that sounds crazy because they made the NBA Finals, but a big reason why they made it so far in the playoffs is because of three-point shooting luck. Like, they shot remarkably well from three in the playoffs, um, and that's not that's not new news. Like, everyone knows that. That was a huge talking point during the playoffs this year. Um, and so I think that they are going to be a good team, but not a great team unless they trade for Damian Lillard. So unless that happens... I, I kind of have similar expectations to, to what I expected from them last year, where I think they could be, you know, a top six seed, um, but I also think they could be in the play-in again. So, I I think that, that unless they trade for Damian Lillard, they're going to be in a similar spot to where they were last year. Um, but, of course, the Heat are known for overperforming expectations. They do that literally every single year. They did that last year. Um, and there's a reason why they've made the finals two times in the last three seasons. So, hey, hopefully they make me look like an idiot and they prove me wrong. They definitely can. They have great coaching. They have high-level talent. Um, and they, they have solid depth. But the East is really good. Um, there are some really good teams in the Eastern Conference. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat are in a similar spot to where they were last year. But, of course, if they trade for Damian Lillard, things are going to change, and I think they'll be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Now let's move on and talk about the Atlanta Hawks, my Atlanta Hawks. I am, unfortunately, a Hawks fan. <sighs> last year was rough. We there were like The Hawks had really high expectations after trading for DeJounte Murray uh, during last year's offseason, and they had a rough year. Um, their head coach got fired in the middle of the season, um, and they went. They won just 41 games. They were 500 um, after the regular season, and they did make it out of the play-in tournament, but they lost in the first round to the Boston Celtics. And the big reasons why they struggled is because they had a really weird offensive strategy this year. With uh, Nate McMillan as the head coach, they decided to to not take any threes, and to take a lot of long twos. And in today's uh, game, where teams are very analytical and they like to take a lot of threes instead of long twos, that's bad. And so they were very inefficient offensively, um, and it's no surprise. When you're taking a lot of long, long twos, unless you're really freaking good at them, it's going to be hard for you to be efficient. Like the Nets last year, 
um, not this past year, but the year before that. They were really efficient offensively, despite taking a high volume of long twos. But the reason why they were so efficient offensively is because the guys taking the long twos were Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And they're amazing uh, mid-range shooters. So that's fine for them. It's not fine for us because we don't have a plethora of great mid-range shooters on our team. We also decided to to go all in on our defense. We got rid of Kevin Herter. We let we traded him to the Kings uh, mainly because we didn't want to pay. Uh, we didn't want to go into the luxury tax. We also got rid of Danilo Gallinari. I don't remember remember if we traded him or if we just let him walk in free agency. But we let him go. Um, we traded for Dejounte Murray. Um, and so we were like all in on defense. Like we wanted to be a much better defensive unit. And our defense wasn't that much better. Like, we still had a well below average defense. Um, and what sucks is that our offense took a step back. Now, we were still a top 10 offense by offensive rating. And a big reason why is because we have Trey Young, who's one of the better offensive players in the league. Um, we also have DeJounte Murray, who is a really talented on-ball creator. Um, and we do have a lot of talent on our team. Um, but... Um, yeah, like, the first half of the season, we were really, really struggling, um, <clears throat> and those are the reasons why. Like, our defense was below average, and our offense took a step back because we weren't taking enough threes, and we weren't taking too many long twos. Um, and we didn't make a ton of moves this offseason. We did trade John Collins to the Utah Jazz, uh, just to get him off the books, because he, um, he had a big contract, and we just weren't using him properly. Um, so we got rid of him, um, and it does appear that the Hawks are interested in improving their three-point shooting. Uh, when you look at their depth chart, they, like their starters now are Troy Young, DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter. I think it was DeAndre Hunter. Um, sorry, my dogs are losing their minds. Let me pull up the Hawks' depth chart real quick, because I want to make sure I get their starting lineup correct. Um, so yeah, DeAndre Hunter... I think it will be either it'll be either AJ Griffin or Sidney Bay. ESPN has it listed as Sidney Bay, and then Clint Capella. And then off the bench they have Kobe Bufkin, who we just drafted, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who we just signed to an extension during the season, AJ Griffin, Jalen Johnson, and Onyeka Okongwu. So I think heading into next season, our offense will be a lot more reliant on three-point shooting, um, and that's a good thing. And I think another thing to keep your eye on is how reliant the Hawks are on their young players. Like A.J. Griffin, like Jalen Johnson, and like Onyeka Okongwu. I think all three of those guys are going to have much bigger roles next season um, because they have spent most of their young careers coming off the bench, or in the case of Okongwu, playing pretty small roles um, in the rotation. So I think all three of those guys are are going to have much bigger roles, especially if the Hawks decide to part ways with DeAndre Hunter and Clint Capella, which is um, a, a realistic thing that might happen. Um, next year, I think the Hawks are going to be similar to, to how they played this year. I think they're going to be around 500, uh, maybe a little bit better because I think their offense will be better. Um, but I, I've always been a little bit lower on the Hawks than the consensus. So I think that they're going to be, you know, at best, the sixth seed, um, at worst, you know, in or out of the plan. Um, probably in the plan is, I think, where, they, where they're most likely going to be next season. But, hey, um, you know, they do have a lot of talent. Um, 
They got some nice depth. They got, you know, a good head coach in Quinn Snyder. So maybe they can outperform my expectations and have a solid season. Now let's move on and talk about who do I want to talk about next? I have Charlotte Hornets up next on my notes, but I kind of want to not talk about them next. I kind of want to talk about the Orlando Magic. Um, I was doing some some research about them this morning, and man, I'm kind of I'm kind of I'm kind of excited about the Orlando Magic. Maybe not next season, but moving forward, I'm really excited about this team. So last year, the Orlando Magic struggled a lot. They won just 34 games, um, but they're a really exciting young team. And a big reason why they're so exciting is because they have two extremely talented, um, excuse me, they have two extremely talented young players in Franz Wagner and Paolo Bancaro. Um, Franz Wagner is a really good secondary ball handler. Um, he's effective at finishing at the rim, and he's also developed into a pretty good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. He's also a really, um, just a, a very solid scorer, and his scoring gravity has allowed him to become a pretty good playmaker. Now, he's also a really good defender. He's a good two-way player, and on defense, he's really versatile, um, and he's really good on the perimeter. And I think at some point, he, he can become possibly an all-NBA-level defender. He's that good on defense, and I think the potential is there for him to become that good of a defender. Um, and then with Paolo Bancaro, now he was just a rookie last season, but he was really productive, um, averaging around 20 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 assists per game. Um, and unfortunately, he carried this insanely large offensive load, so he wasn't very efficient as a scorer or a shooter, and his impact metrics, like Bucks plus minus, um, you know, estimated plus minus, things like that, very, you know, nerdy uh, metrics, they were not very good. Um, but I think that he showed some legitimate skill on both ends of the floor. His passing was pretty good. I know his assist rate was a bit, was not like insane. It was, I think, 17.1% last season off the top of my head. Um, but his more advanced passing metrics were really good. Um, and he was already a solid scorer um, last year in terms of volume. Um, and that allowed him to have some sort of, or some level of scoring gravity, which made him a pretty good uh, playmaker for his age. And I thought what was most impressive about his rookie season was the defense. Um, he was great as a defensive rebounder, and his interior defense was a lot better than I expected. Um, so I think that he has a chance to be a really good and versatile defender someday. And if he is going to become a good defender, like I think the uh, I think his ceiling is through the roof. He could easily become a top ten player in the league someday. If his defense gets to that level where, you know, he's this versatile um, and highly impactful defender who can play at the five a little bit and can guard three, you know, small forwards, power forwards, and centers. If he gets to that level and he becomes, you know, a better scorer, maybe a better finisher or a better shooter and becomes like this high level offensive creator, man, watch out because he could be a really special player. Um, now, they have a lot of young players um, that are really talented outside of those guys, like um, Wendell Corner Jr., Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony, and Jalen Suggs. And they have two rookies um, in Anthony Black and Jet Howard. Don't know how much those two guys are going to play, but uh, they're on the team, and they are listed as backups according to ESPN. Um, and the Magic, 
They have a, a solid defense. Last year, their defense was around average in terms of defensive efficiency or defensive rating. Um, and I think it can it can be better next year. They got a lot of talent defensively. Um, Jalen Suggs is a super talented defender. Um, Wagner, like I mentioned, is a really good defender. Van Caro um, ha- has a lot of upside on defense, in my opinion. Um, so I think that their defense can be even better next year. And then like Anthony Black. I don't know how much he's going to play, but he's a great defender in his own right. So he can also help the defense improve. Um, So I think next season, the Magic could be uh, a little bit better defensively. Um, Their issue is the offense. The offense just isn't great. Their three-point shooting is really bad at the moment, and I don't don't think that's going to get much better. They don't have a lot of great three-point shooters. Um, And unless Wagner or Bencaro become high-level offensive creators next season, I think their offense is going to still be pretty bad. So um, I think the Magic could be, you know, better than they were last year. Maybe they won't be one of the worst teams in the league. But I don't think they're going to be good next season. I think it's going to take some time for them to to get to where they could be eventually. I think someday they could be a really, really good team, a clear playoff team. But at the moment, that's just not where they're at, in my opinion. Um, I think that they are going to be a fun team next season, but not necessarily a good team. But yeah, I'm very excited to see to see this team grow and to see their young talent develop. Uh, but right now, I just don't think they're going to be a very good team. Next up, let's talk about the let's talk about the Charlotte Hornets because I want to save the Wizards for last. So last year, the Charlotte Hornets um, they were they were one of the worst teams in the league. They won just 27 games. Um, as they had the least efficient offense in the entire in the entire NBA, their offense was very bad. Um, a big reason why they struggled is because their best player, Lamelo Ball, uh, played just thirty six games due to injury, um, and they were one of the worst three point shooting teams in the league. Um, and those are significant issues. So it's no surprise that that their offense was so bad. Now, while um, a healthy ball is going to likely improve their offense a little bit, um, it's unlikely they're going to be much better because they lost a lot of key pieces to their team. Um, in the offseason, they lost Dennis Smith Jr., Kelly Oubre Jr., um, and or is, is it Kelly Oubre Jr.? I feel like I messed that up. Um, and uh, Svi... Uh, M. I'm not going to pronounce his last name because I don't know how to pronounce it and I, I don't want to mess that up. Um, and this is on top of the players that they traded during the season, like Mason Plumley and, and Jalen McDaniel. So their team next season is going to look a lot different, and I think they're going to be a good bit worse. Um, losing Dennis Smith Jr. specifically is a huge problem for them. He was awesome defensively last season, um, and he wasn't great offensively. Um, he struggled a little bit as a scorer and a shooter, but he was pretty productive as a passer, and his defense was incredibly good. It was really, really good. Like He was one of the better guard defenders in the league last year. Now, I think it'll be really interesting to see how uh, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward step up because uh, I think that they're all going to be relied on uh, heavily moving forward. And I think it'll be exciting to see how Brandon Miller plays as a rookie. He was the number two overall pick in this year's draft. Um, and he's listed as a starter according to ESPN. And I think that he will have a, a pretty big role right off the bat. And perhaps he can help improve their three-point shooting. Um, but yeah, I think next season the Hornets are still going to be pretty bad. 
I think they will be one of the worst teams in the league again, um, mainly because they lost a lot of key pieces during the offseason and at the trade deadline last season. Hopefully, LaMelo Ball can stay healthy, and hopefully, Brandon Miller has a strong rookie season, but yeah, I, I don't think the Hornets are going to be very good next season. All right, let's um, end off the the Southeast Division talk by breaking down the Washington Wizards. Um, the Wizards are a really weird team because they have officially entered tanking mode. After winning just 35 games last season, they decided to get rid of all their good players. They traded Bradley Beal, Kristaps Porzingis, and Monte Morris uh, during the offseason, and it's clear that they are rebuilding. Um, now, they did get a few talented young players in return during their fire, during their fire sale, um, including Jordan Poole and Tyus Jones. And they also acquired some cheap veterans like uh, Landry Shamit and Mike Muscala. Um, and because of their decision to tear down their team, they're going to be worse next season. Like, they, they should be one of the worst teams in the league. But in my opinion, I think they have a weirdly fun team and a weirdly fun roster that basketball sickos like myself are going to enjoy watching next season. Uh, Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole are probably going to be in this team's stars next year. I think they're going to likely lead the team in usage rate and offensive load. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how effective they are um, in this role, where they're handling the ball a lot and where they have a lot more offensive responsibilities. Um, and the Wizards also have a really solid supporting cast um, surrounding Kuzma and Poole, with players like Tyus Jones, Corey Kispert, and Daniel Gafford. And, you know, this starting lineup might not be great, and it might struggle, but hey, it's going to be fun. It's going to rank really high on the fun meter. And I think they have um, other solid players outside of their starting lineup as well. They have DeLon Wright, Landry Shamit, Boal Kulavali, uh, Denny, um, <coughs> excuse me, Denny Abdia, and Mike Muscala. And I'm really interested in seeing how Kulabali plays this season um, because I think he is one of the more important players on the roster. Uh, the Wizards traded up in this year's draft to get him, um, and it's clear that they believe he can be the star of the team at some point. And I'm interested to see how they use him as a rookie. Do they let him handle the ball a lot? Do they use him as an on-ball creator a little bit? Um, and if they do, how does he handle those responsibilities? I think that'll be very interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is like a, a really fun team, a really weird uh, roster, but I think they could be better than people expect. You know, I still think that they're going to be a below average team, but man, if you're on League Pass and you see the Wizards, I think they're going to be worth watching this year. I really do. So um, this is the team that I'm really excited to watch play this season because although they got worse this offseason and traded some of their best players, I think they can be weirdly fun, especially for sickos like myself. All right, that's it for the Southeast Division talk. Let's go ahead and rank every single NBA team's logo. So let's get started. Let me pull up the website um, and let's get started. Alright, here we go. I got the website pulled up. Let's start ranking NBA teams' logos. Um, and this is really interesting because, you know, what makes a good logo? It's a hard question. I think for me, I really like logos that include a mascot. And so the first team listed here is the Orlando Magic. Um, and this is a cool, 
I got a solid logo. I like the color scheme. I think the color scheme's really good. I like the the little flare coming off the basketball in the logo. Um, but it's not super flashy. I like the logo, so I feel like maybe B is the right category. I think B is a solid tier for the Magic's logo. Uh, now we have the Mavericks, and, and let me point out, I may move some things around, so this isn't finalized. Um, now moving on to the Mavericks, solid logo. I like the fact that there's a Maverick here. Um, uh, it's a, the, the color scheme isn't gray. Like, there's a lot of gray here, and gray isn't a bright, flashy color. Um, you know, it has a basketball here. You got a little horse. I think this is also a B-tier kind of logo. Maybe C-tier. I'm considering putting both the Magic and the Mavericks logo in C-tier here. Um, they're, they're good, and I like the fact that the Mavericks have the mascot here. It's just not super flashy. Next up, we have the Denver Nuggets. Um, I like their logo. You got three colors. You got this, like, navy blue, this dark navy blue. You got gold. You have white, so there's a fourth color. And you have a little bit of red here or maroon. Um, solid logo. Nothing special about it. Like, I, I like, um, the picks, like, the pickaxes here. That's cool. Um, so, good logo. Not elite yet. I don't think we've seen anything that's, like, amazing yet. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, a solid logo. I, I like putting it in B tier. Next, we have the Detroit Pistons. And this is a C tier logo. Um, just nothing special about it. It's a basketball. It says Detroit Pistons. Nothing flashy. There's no mascot. Um, there's no piston. Where Where's the piston at? Come on. We can do better, Detroit. Get a better logo. Get, bring your old logo back. That was better. So, um, yeah, now, like, there are some teams where, like, their old logo was better, and they've just gotten worse, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bump them down for that. Y you know, if you have a worse logo than you used to, than you used to, you deserve to be criticized for that. So, um, Detroit Pistons, C-tier logo. Next, we have the Pelicans. Really like this logo. Um, I like the Pelican. I, like, the fact that they have a huge Pelican in there is pretty cool. Um, like that a lot. Like the color scheme. Um... Just a solid logo, kind of similar to the Mavericks, the Nuggets, um, or the Mavericks and the Nuggets. Solid logo. I, I kind of like it a lot. Um, I think I'll keep it in B tier. Yeah, I think I'll keep it in B tier. Maybe move these teams that have a mascot. Maybe I might move them up to A tier, but for now, I'll keep them in B tier. Now we have the Nets. Eh, I mean... There's nothing too special about it, I feel like. I mean, it says Nets, it says Brooklyn, there's a basketball, there's a B in the middle of the basketball. I'm kind of put it in C tier. I don't really love it. I mean, it's like a, it's just like, eh, it's a, it's a, it's a C tier kind of logo to me. A C tier kind of logo. Um, maybe I'll put it in B. I'll keep it in C. We'll see. Now we got the Atlanta Hawks. Now I'm a Hawks fan. I like the logo. The Pac-Man logo is sick. It's kind of iconic. Maybe A tier. See, I think I'm going to move the Mavericks up to A tier. Um, and I think I'll do with the Pelicans too. And maybe the Nuggets. Maybe, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'll put the Nuggets up here because they do have, they don't just have the team name. They do have the pickaxes, which is a nice addition. So I'll put them in A tier. Um, and then, 
yeah, the Hawks, it's a classic logo, retro, um, just a, a really good logo. I feel very comfortable putting it in A tier. I like it a lot. Now we have the Pacers. Um, good, uh, I mean, it, it's a classic logo in the middle, so I think I'll put it in B tier. Um, it's classic. I, I don't like the fact, I mean, I guess it's a little bit more creative than the, than like the Nets, the Pistons, and the Magic's logo, where it's like the, the P, it's got a P in it, which stands for Pacers, um, and there's a basketball inside the P, um, and you got, like, it's a circular logo, kind of cool. I think, I think it's solid as a B tier. I like putting it in B tier. I think that's fair. Next up, we got the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I think that's a, I think that's a A logo. You got a Timberwolf there. Um, I like that, that design. Um, you also have the basketball in the background. Um, the, the color scheme isn't flashy or anything. It's a lot of blue, which I don't love um but it's a good it's a, a good logo i think it could be in b or a tier depending on your taste for logos next we have the knicks um it, it's just not flashy but it is an iconic logo ah the fact that it's so iconic I want to put it in A tier. It's just it's just an iconic logo. So I'll I'll put it in A tier. Next we have the Cavs. I like the Cavs logo. I think the Cavs logo is cool. It's got a sword. The C has a cool little design. It's got like a shield. Good logo. A tier. I feel I feel comfortable with it in A tier. Another A tier logo. We got the Miami Heat. Um, the basketball with a flame on the end, going through a ring like it's a hoop. It says Miami Heat. Great logo. Really, really like the Heat's logo. Um, and honestly, like, I, I don't want to... Like, these aren't clear rankings. Like, I think they're tiers, so you can flip up the ranking, flip up the rankings a little bit. But, yeah, I think the Heat um, belong at the top of the A tier. Like, I really like that logo, and I kind of feel the same way about the Cavs. Really like that logo. Um, next up, we have the Wizards. Um, let me go ahead and put it in B tier. I like the color. Maybe I'm going to probably move some of these logos around, but for the Wizards, I really like the color scheme. I like the design of the background. It's got the, the Washington Monument in the middle with the star. That's a pretty cool logo. I like it. I, I like that logo a lot. Um, I, I do really like their old logo too. Um, maybe even better than this, but I think this is a better color scheme. Really good logo. I like it in B or A tier. I'll go ahead and put it in B. Next up, we have the Toronto Raptors. Solid logo. Uh, I like their old logo with the dinosaur better, but this is a good logo. Uh, not a flashy color scheme, but the fact that it has like the claw marks on the basketball is a really nice touch, so I'm fine with that in B tier. Next up, we have the Golden State Warriors. Um... I like the golden. I like the color scheme a lot. Um, their colors are just great. I also like the Golden Gate Bridge in the circle. That's cool. Um, it's also kind of an iconic logo. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna put it in A. Um, iconic logo. Really like the look of it. Um, nice touch. Then we got the Utah Jazz. I think B with the music note. The music note's cool. I think it's better than the Nets and the Pistons. So yeah, I I, I kind of like um I kind of like their logo with the music note. I think that's cool. Um, like that a lot. Next up, we got the Houston Rockets. Um, 
oh, this is tough. Because they got, they went a little, they, they got a little creative with their logo. Because the R at the, on the bottom of it is kind of like a rocket. Um, and, and like the, the stem of the R on the left side is, is, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be a rocket. You also have, have a circle around it. That's a cool logo. It's either B or A. Um, man, that's pretty creative. I kind of like it in A tier. I'm going to go A tier, uh, for now. Um, next up we got the Kings. Um, very, I think it's very simplistic, very minimalistic, uh, but you got like the basketball on the bottom. You got like the crown on top. Um, Sacramento's in the crown. You got King separating the ball from the crown. I think that's a B logo. I like it as a B logo. The crown is a nice touch. Next up, we got the Thunder. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go B, I think. Um, nothing like super flashy, but I like the color scheme. Um, I like the, the letters and the little badge on the bottom. Um, I feel like this is a, a, a decent logo, um, and B tier feels, feels solid. Um, I might change that though. Next up, we got the Bucks. Definite, um, I, I think A tier for sure. Um, I love the deer. I think the deer is great. Um, love that a lot. Um, just, just a, a really, a really solid logo. I'll put it in A tier. Um, yeah, not much to say about it. Got a deer. It looks good. Um, the color scheme, not amazing or anything, but yeah, so, a solid logo. Next up, we got the Portland Trailblazers. Um, decent, I think it's a, a, a good logo. Um, kind of, is it iconic? I mean, I don't know, I don't know off the top of my head how long they've had this logo. Um, I like the, the red and white color of of the logo uh, or the yeah i, I kind of like that um almost feels more of like a b tier logo to me i don't like love it love it but i do think it's pretty good i like that a lot next up we got the clippers i'm gonna say i'm gonna say c tier just nothing special about it there's nothing special about their logo um it's not bad like it's not bad at all i like their i think their logo is fine um hornets I like their logo a lot. You got the Hornet, um, because they're the Hornets. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I, li I like how creative they got with it. They got a little, they got the mascot there. I think that's a good logo. I like it a lot. Next up, we got the Lakers. Where do we put the Lakers? Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Iconic logo. Um... Like, if anyone sees that look, like, obviously it says Lakers, but, like, I feel like they'd be like, oh, yeah, the Los Angeles Lakers, like, they'll probably have some memories come to their head or come to their mind when they see it. It's nothing special about the logo, but it is iconic. Huh. I'll, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick it in A tier for now because I'm putting the Knicks up there for, for it being iconic. Next up, we have the Grizzlies, um... I'm going to stick the Grizzlies in A tier. I really like their logo with the, the bear there and the yellow eyes. And you got like the shadow on the right side of its face. Or I guess the left side of the bear's face. I like that a lot. I think it's a good logo. Um, yeah, big fan of it. Next up, we got the Spurs. Um, 
I like the Spurs. I like the like the U of the word Spurs being uh, an actual like cowboy spur. I think that's cool. Also an iconic, kind of like a classic logo. They've had it for a while. Um, I like that a lot. Next up, we got the Bulls S tier. The Bulls are an S tier logo. I don't know if you've ever if if you've heard of this or not. But if you turn the bull of the Chicago, of the Chicago Bulls logo upside down, and it looks like an alien reading a book. That's cool. And while we're at it, I'm gonna add some more teams to S tier, like the Miami Heat, um, the Hawk. I think the Hawk is an S tier logo. I like that a lot. Um, honestly, I kind of like the Cavs. Um, the bat. I-, I love the shield. I love the sword. I think the C. It is nice. I kind of like the color scheme. I might go S tier for the Cavs logo. I think I might just do it. I think I might just do it. Um, it's got a lot to it. It's not just the mascot. Like some of these, it's, you know, you have the mascot and that's really it. But I feel like with with the Cavs, they've done a lot with their logo. Um, and I, I like that. I like that. They got really creative. Um, next up, we have the 76ers. I feel like that's a B logo. Um, <clears throat> n- nothing too special. They have stars on the outside of the circle. I like the color scheme. They got the basketball. Um, it- it's a good logo. I don't think it's like great or anything. I don't think it's amazing, but I do think that's a solid logo. Next up, we got the Suns. Um, they've had this logo for a while. I kind of like the sun on the outside of the basketball. That's a cool logo. I like that. And then we got Celtics S tier. Great logo. Love it. Um, easy S tier logo for me. You got the leprechaun smoking the pipe. Um, got a cane. He's spinning the basketball. Super creative. Like, arguably the best logo in the league. That logo is fantastic. That's like the top of the logos. All right. Now that I've ranked every team's logo, I'm going to make some changes. There are definitely, like, there are some changes that need to be made and some decisions that need to be made. Alright, so, the Thunder. I like the logo. I think I'm going to keep it in B tier. I feel pretty comfortable with it in B tier. Um, the Trailblazers, I, I'm good with that in B tier. Um, the Magic. Is the Magic logo good enough for B tier? Is it creative enough? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I like the color scheme and maybe the color scheme is affecting my, my opinion of the logo too much. I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid that my, that my love for the blue and the black and the white is affecting my opinion of the logo. But I just can't put it on the same tier as the Pistons. And you know what? While I, as I'm saying that the Pistons are going in D tier, I'm sorry the logo kind of sucks. Not going to lie. I don't love the logo. I think the Pistons logo is not that great. Um, not a great logo. I'm good with that in D tier. The Clippers logo is nothing special. Um, it's just like a eh, eh logo. Um, I do kind of like these circular logos that um, have a little bit more design than that. Maybe Net should go in B tier. I kind of like um, the fact that there's like a shield there or a badge. Um, but I don't know. I'm just not. I, 
I think the logo's fine. I'll go B tier. I think B tier's fine for that. Honestly, there aren't that many terrible logos in the NBA. Um, and the Clippers logo, I don't like how the name of the team makes up too much of the logo. I want it, I want a little more create creativity. That's why I have it in C. Like the logo, you got the you got the um the LAC in the basketball, and that's and that's kind of cool. Um, but it's just it, it I want more. I want more out of my logo. Um, so I could see, you know, if you wanted to put the Clippers logo in B tier, I get that. I think that that's fair. For me, it's got to go in C tier. It's just not creative enough. I, and I don't like logos that rely too heavily on the team name. So I think that's a good spot. Um, do I want to change anything in B tier? Um, I think this is fair. Um, maybe the tra- the Trailblazers should go higher. I don't know. I think that's good. I, I do think I want to move the Lakers down to B tier and the Knicks as well. I think, I don't know. They're just so iconic, man. They're so iconic. Um, I'm going to put them in in, in A tier. I feel like they're just too iconic to leave out of A tier. I know they're not the most creative, but the fact that they're so iconic kind of means a lot to me, honestly. It it, it does. Um, Now, in A tier... Are there any teams that could just get knocked out? Like, maybe maybe the Nuggets. Like, I don't think the Nuggets is anything special. I might move it down to B tier. Um, let's see, anybody else that can move down a tier? Maybe the Spurs. Like, I like the Spurs, but it is maybe not creative enough. Let's look at the Spurs. How long have they had this logo? Let me look. Let's look at the Spurs logo in the 1990s. Dude. Yeah, that logo's sick. I like the color scheme of that logo. Their logo's gotten worse. Okay. Okay, yeah. We're 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 gonna put the Spurs logo in B tier. I like it. I don't think it's bad. Um, but man, why did y'all get rid of the logo in the 90s? That logo was sick. That was an awesome logo. Um I'm feeling pretty good about my logo choices right now. Um maybe move the Suns down a little bit. Um, not a bad logo. Um but it's just not super creative um, outside of the sun. Um, I think I need a little bit more. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and move the, the Thunder and the Nets down to C tier. I think I, I need a little bit more creativity from them. Um, but I can also see them in B tier. Maybe I... I don't know. This is hard. This is really, really hard. Maybe I, I think I'm overthinking it. Uh, but right now, I feel pretty good about the logo rankings um, where they're at now. I think I'm going to put Nets in, in C tier. Um, I think they could get more creative with the Nets, and I think the Thunder can get a little more creative with Thunder. I think they, they, I think both of those teams can do a little bit more. That's why I feel comfortable ranking them in C tier. But right now, I feel pretty good about these rankings. Um, I like them. I um, think they're pretty cool. Trying to see if there's anything I don't like. Um, or any mistakes I made, and nah, I mean, I, I feel, I feel pretty good about the rankings, where they are, you know, maybe the Suns, um, maybe you think the Suns or the Spurs should be higher, I think that's fair, um, but I think for, for teams up here, I need, like, a really cool mascot included in the logo, um, a little bit more creativity, um, 
And so, or like, you know, and I know I have the Knicks, Lakers up there. If you think those teams should be lower, I think that's also fair. Uh, but they're so iconic that I felt like having them in A tier is cool. And I like the Knicks logo. I legitimately really like the Knicks logo. Um, and I, I could see the Lakers logo being down here in like the B tier, but just the iconicness of the logo feels cool. And I like the Timberwolves. Um, I think that's cool. Um, yeah, I feel pretty comfortable about these rankings. Let me know what you think. Um, if you hate these logos, hey, that's fair. If I piss you off, hey, that's also fair. Uh, but yeah, those are my rankings of every NBA team's logo. Um, so yeah, let me know what you think on Twitter. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at the Ryan McCreary. That's the R-Y-A-N-M-C-C-R-A-R-Y. And that's pretty much all I have for today's episode. I hope y'all enjoyed it. And if you did, please leave this po- this podcast a review. Or if you're watching it on YouTube, like the video and subscribe to the channel. That would really help me out a lot. But yeah, that's all I have for today. Hope y'all enjoyed. And I will see y'all next time.